Hello, Mosaic. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, it's always a pleasure for me to be here and to preach the Word of God. Um, I want to begin with, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's always fascinating to me um, whenever, I'm on, whenever I'm on Facebook. I mean, I don't have the other, the other uh, social media outlets that many people have, like Instagrams and Snapchat. Um, I'm not in like a lot of you you young people. Um, but one of my favorite Facebook posts are usually the ones where some of my friends that I have, they will post pictures of them flaunting a lot of money. Um, they'll, they'll post pictures of flaunting their money and their material possession. And then, get this, they hashtag God first. They put hashtag blessed, hashtag thank God, or hashtag humbled. You know, they, they put, they, they, they have a lot of money. You know, they put, a, they put all their money um, on their Facebook posts and on their Instagram posts, and they somehow think that it's no longer idolatry if I put God first, if I write hashtag God first, right? Um, but we know that's not the case. We know that's not true. Come on. Um, like, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's still idolatry. We still, um, God still sees that as idolatry. Um, and during Jesus' ministry, he encountered people who would think like that. There were people who would think that, you know, somehow they could love money, right? They could somehow, they could um, idolize money here and also love God as well. No. Jesus wanted people Jesus wanted to warn people that no matter how much wealth you have in this world, if you do not have eternal life, then all your possessions are worthless. To get that point across, Jesus tells a parable. This is a parable that we know called the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So let's read this passage Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there with me. If not, we have it up here in the slides. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus says the story. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger into the water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner received the bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, 
a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father, Abraham, if, if, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither Will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you are gracious to us to give us your word in advance, to warn us about these eternal matters, to warn us about heaven and hell, and that these things are realities. Father, I do pray that at this time, as Jonathan Edwards said, you would stamp eternity in our eyeballs, that we would be able to see it for what it really is and live our lives accordingly. Lord, we cannot trust in mere words, but we trust in your power, your power, Lord, that comes through your word. And I pray that as I am faithful to your word, that you will soften hearts, that you will convince, that you will convict, and that you would bless. We ask these things for your son's sake, not for our sake, but for his sake. We ask you these things in his name. Amen. To give you an idea of where I'm going in this sermon, I want to talk about three things in this parable. Number one, how the rich man lived on earth. How the rich man lived on earth. Number two, how Lazarus lived on earth. And then number three, how they both lived in the afterlife. All right? So number one, how the rich man lived on earth. Number two, how Lazarus lived on earth, and then number three, how they both lived in the afterlife. Let's begin with, let's begin in the beginning. It's um, verse, uh, verse nine begins with these words. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple. First of all, it says that this man was rich. He was rich. We don't know of his profession or how he became rich, but all we know is that he was rich. He was definitely rich. How rich was this man? It says that he was rich and he was clothed in purple. Now, that seems like a random fact for you, okay? Why is he telling us that he were, were purple. What's the significance of this? You know, it's a strange thing you might think to include in this passage, right? There was a rich man who had, um, who had yellow clothing. Like, no, what? 
I don't understand. So he says, there was a rich man who had purple clothing. How is that important? Well, in the ancient world, purple clothing was expensive to make. You follow? Purple clothing was expensive to make. It was, very, it was a very expensive process just to be able to obtain purple dye. So if you were purple, almost certainly you had money. Lots of money. But it's not like he had one purple outfit in his closet some, somewhere. The passage doesn't say that. It says that he would wear purple. Meaning that, as in, that he would occasionally wear purple. Most of his outfits were probably purple. He would not only wear purple, it says that he wore purple and he wore fine linen. Now this word, fine linen, the fine linen is referring to his undergarments. His undergarments. Even his undergarments were fine. Even his undergarments were expensive. How about that? People don't even have to see it for him to buy something expensive. Then the passage says, he also feasted sumptuously. Look how he ate. Look how this man ate. It says, this, it says he feasted sumptuously. This word sumptuously could mean splendid, luxurious, life lavishly. I think those words sufficiently capture what the author is trying to communicate. And I, I love the way this commentator, Matthew Henry, puts it. He says, his table was furnished with all the varieties and dainties that um, nature and art could supply. His side table was richly adorned with plate. Just imagine, on his table, this rich man's table, food and dessert after dessert, looking like a 12-course meal on his, on his table, constantly, every day. And so that's the description of the rich man on earth. A person who, as we would say, was filthy rich. His clothes were expensive. His undergarments were expensive. His food were expensive in that he ate lavishly. So we see the description of the rich man on earth. Now, to move on, let us see the description of Lazarus, how Lazarus lived on earth. It says, and at his gate there laid a poor man named Lazarus. It says, at his gate. At his gate, meaning that this man, Lazarus, was in close proximity to, to, to the rich man. He was at his gate. He was literally right there. He could see the rich man. The rich man could see Lazarus as well. He probably noticed this poor man at his gate. And he's probably at his gate maybe because he lives there. Maybe he lives in the streets. Perhaps he's homeless. He had no home. And look at his bodily condition. To make matters worse, it says that not only was this man poor, not only was he, not only was he homeless, but it seems, but even look at, look at his bodily condition. To make matters worse, this poor man had sores, it says. These are painful, irritating, sensitive spots on the body. 
It was not the best condition to be in. Now, I don't care how sanctified or how spiritual you are, none of us want to be in that situation. None of us want to be in a situation where we have no house, we're outside, we're begging for money. We're miserable. We can't eat. And we have sores on our body. Then it says that he sees the rich man eating and it says that he even desired to have the food that fell off the rich man's table. So this poor man, Lazarus, sees this rich man. He sees him eating and it says that he even wanted some of the food that fell off his table. He didn't even want the food that was on the table. He wanted the food, the little crumbs that fell off. He was content to have that. That's how hungry he was. Imagine being that hungry. You know, it's interesting sometimes when someone asks you for money in the streets. Let's say someone asks you for money and you offer to buy this person pizza. And he says, well, if you're going to buy me pizza, you might as well get me Grimaldi's pizza. The one in downtown. And if you're going to get me Grimaldi's pizza, you might as well get me the pepperoni. The pepperoni slice along with bacon in it. I want a little bit of extra cheese. Make sure you do that. Make sure you get my order right. Right? Automatically you begin to think, wait, are you really hungry? Because I was just going to offer you that, that pizza over there, that $2 pizza. I'm not going to go to Grimaldi's. Right? And that's what we think. And this man, this poor man, wasn't like, man, I want the best. He, he didn't care for the best on the, on, the, on the rich man's table. He only wanted just whatever, whatever's left over. Whatever fell from the table. That's all I'm content to having that. And then Jesus talks about the sores again. It says that this man's condition was so bad that the passage says that even the dogs came and licked the sores. His sores were probably open, bleeding, and so the dogs will lick it. Now why, should, why, did, why did Jesus add that part? He talked about the sores already. He already talked about the sores. Why is he bringing up the sores again? Well, the passage wants you to see this picture of this poor man looking over to this rich man's table and seeing all the food that he's eating and all he wants is just the little crumbs. The poor man cannot get food. The poor man cannot feed himself. But guess what? Even the dogs were feeding themselves. But they were feeding themselves on him. Do you see that? So there it is, friends. There it is. Two human beings on earth. One was poor and one was rich. I talked about the I talked about the rich man on earth and then I talked about the poor man on earth. Now so far in this story, who would you rather be? So far in this story, who would you rather be? Now, if the story ends here, right? If the, if the story ends here, then I would say I would rather be the rich man. Thank you very much. 
Give me the purple clothing. Give me um, the riches. Give me all of. Give me the. Um, um, give me the all the food, so I can eat lavishly. But the story does not end there, and our story doesn't end with this world. I want to ask you a question, friends. Do you see your life in light of eternity, or do you see your life only in this world? Are you placing significance on this world alone, or are you placing more significance in the afterlife? So we talked about the rich man and the poor man on earth, but let's look at their life in the afterlife. Let's look at what happens after death. Now it says that they both died, right? What happens to people when they die? What happens when people, when people die? Well, we'll see. It says, notice, it says, even their bodies, if you look at the passage, even their bodies were treated differently on earth. Even their dead bodies were treated differently on earth. You see, the pastor says that when the rich man died, there's something that's very important that the pastor says. When the rich man died, it says he was buried. You follow? But when it talks about Lazarus, it doesn't say anything about Lazarus being buried. It says the rich man was buried, but the Lazarus, it doesn't say anything about Lazarus being buried. Now, what am I trying to get across? The, the, the people, maybe they had a funeral for this rich man. Maybe they had a proper burial for this rich man. But for the poor man, they probably didn't have a proper burial for him. Obviously, he was poor, he was broke, he didn't have enough money to leave behind for people to be able to bury him rightly. Okay? So the rich man, maybe he had a great ceremony. Maybe he had a lot of people show up and attend to his funeral. Maybe many people could recall and remember how great his life was. And he had the best burial ever. But my friends, does that really matter? It doesn't say anything about this poor man's burial. But you know the difference? Watch this. If you look at the passage, look at what happens to their souls. It says, the rich man was buried. Lazarus, what does it say about him? It doesn't say anything about him being buried, but it says that he was carried by angels. Whoa. Lazarus was carried by angels. Meaning that I don't care if you're not going to bury me. Whatever. I don't care if you're not going to give me a proper burial. I don't care if you're not going to, if I, don't, if I don't have a right funeral. As long as the angels are carrying me. That's what's important here. And you see, it says that the angels were carrying Lazarus and they brought him to Abraham's bosom. They bring, brought him to Abraham's side. This is paradise. This is heaven. Yet, the rich man is somewhere else. It says that he went to Hades. Hades is a place of torment that unbelievers go to before the final judgment. When you die, you do not lose conscience like many people might think. 
No, you immediately go to one of two places. Heaven or hell. Eternal life or eternal damnation. Let's look at the rich man's request in hell. See, the rich man, what he does is as he's in hell and as he's in anguish, he looks up and he sees Lazarus. He sees Lazarus and he sees Abraham. And you know what the rich man says? The rich man says, Father Abraham. Now, while you might think that's something that's insignificant, when he says Father Abraham, it means that he considers Abraham his father. It means that this man was a Jewish person. If you know your Old Testament, you'll know that Abraham was the father of the Jews, the Jewish nation. And the fact that this man could look up and he could say, Father Abraham, it means that this man understood that he was Jewish, he came from the line of Abraham, and he was probably even religious. To call him Father Abraham. Imagine this, a religious man, a Jewish man, a man who's supposed to know God, a man who's supposed to have the law of God, a man who's supposed to have the Ten Commandments, a man who's supposed to know the Torah. Imagine that man being in hell. Imagine the man who would probably make sacrifices. And he would hear God's word being spoken to him and yet end up in hell. Friends, I wonder if that's that's any of us here today. I wonder if, yes, you are religious. And yes, you, you know Jesus Christ by name. And yes, you may have even been baptized. And yes, you may even have said with your mouth, I love Jesus. But I wonder if you might find yourself in hell. Along with other religious hypocrites. Looking up and seeing people who are supposed to be far away, close to Jesus Christ. See, this is a reality that we all must think about. And so he says, Father Abraham... This man was certainly a Jewish man who should have known better, who should have known the word of God. And he says, look at his request. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, he wanted Abraham to look down and have mercy on him. What's mercy? He wanted him to basically look to him with pity and look and have mercy Imagine just seeing someone in torment. Someone in torment. Someone who's dying. And somebody looking to you with tears in their eyes and saying, have mercy on me. And he asks, he asks, he says, have, your, have Lazarus only dip his finger inside the water and bring it to me. So he can cool my tongue. You see the reversal? One time, 
Once upon a time, Lazarus wanted food. He didn't want the whole food. He only wanted what fell from the, t from the, from the rich man's table. Now the roles have been reversed. You see, the rich man does not want all of the water. He only wants a dip from the man's fingers just to cool his tongue. Look how miserable his situation was. His situation was so bad that he didn't even ask for a whole cup of water. He asked just for the tip of Lazarus's finger. There was no saliva in his mouth that could quench the slightest bit of thirst. He wanted only a little drip. He says, I am in anguish in this flame. Note the word anguish. The Bible describes as hell as being a place of fire. There is real fire and there is real anguish in hell. This is the wrath of God on full display. But Abraham looks to him. He says, child, remember that you in your lifetime, you received all the good things. But Lazarus, in the like manner, he received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Look at Abraham's response. He says, child, remember, he calls him child, right? Remember how, how, how the rich man called him father? Now Lazarus, I'm sorry, Abraham calls him child. He says, child. What does he say after child? What word does he use after child? He says, child, remember. Remember. Wow. Remember. When people are in hell, they will certainly remember. Instead of his memory being a comfort for him, like, oh, yeah, I, can't, I, I remember when I, oh, man, I had so much fun. I remember that party was so fun. Instead of their remembrance bringing comfort to them, their remembrance will bring torture to them. I regret. If you're here today, my friends, and you are not a Christian, the very thing that brings you so much pleasure today, the very thing that brings you so much enjoyment in this world today, might serve later on as a painful memory in hell. The rich man's memory could only serve as a tool of torture to him. It says, remember, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, he received the bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Now this passage is not saying that if you are rich, you're going to hell, and if you are poor, you're going to heaven. That's not what the passage is teaching. How can we better understand this passage? Um, if Sean could um, shoot to slide 10, slide number 10. I want to explain this passage to you in light of its context. Earlier on in this passage, right, Jesus Christ has, we're in Luke 16, um, verse, uh, we're in Luke chapter 16, but earlier in the passage, right, in verse 10, we could understand 
why Jesus Christ is speaking these parables. So you want to read it with me? Let's see why Jesus Christ was telling this parable. Let's read it. Luke 16, verse 10. Pay attention. See if you can understand why Jesus Christ is telling this parable. Just nine verses earlier. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? Next slide. And if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you what is your own? Watch this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Hashtag thank God. The Pharisees who were lovers of money, watch this, watch this, right? Verse 14, it says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they heard these things and they ridiculed Jesus Christ and said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted above amongst men is an abomination in the sight of God. Look, the Pharisees who were lovers of money, the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they heard Jesus Christ talk about money, and they ridiculed him. And Jesus says, you justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination before God. What everybody else looks to and they say, oh, that's really nice. That's great. Oh, man, you, you have this much money. Oh, wow, you have this much cars. Oh, wow, you have this much this and that and that. What is exalted amongst men is despised before God. And so Jesus Christ is talking to those Pharisees and telling them, the Pharisees who love money. By the way, who were Pharisees? Pharisees were Jewish leaders. So Jesus Christ is speaking to Jewish leaders who love money. Now does the parable make sense? Who ends up in hell? This person who called Abraham father Jewish. This person who was rich. And so Jesus says, you justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. What's exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. My friend, the thing, the very thing that people exalt you for. Wow, that's a great thing. Wow, wow. The very thing, maybe it could be money, maybe it could be all your things that you're doing, or they, they, whatever people are lifting you up for in your pride might be an abomination before God. And it might not be very evident right now, but later on you'll see how much of an abomination it was before God. And so that helps us to understand the context of this parable. Um, let's, let's just get back to the story and then we'll give some application. When the rich man tells Abraham to send Lazarus to bring water for him, the rich man probably sees, still sees Lazarus as that poor man, a man that he is better than. Send Lazarus. 
send him. But how does Abraham respond? He said that in his lifetime he had received riches and Lazarus received poverty, but now he's in anguish. Abraham couldn't even respond to the request of a little water that he was requesting. Just note that. Just note that. Look at that. This man was in anguish. Imagine just looking at a man in anguish. I can't look at people in anguish and they're asking me for the slightest help and I just want to help people. I want to rescue people. I don't like to see people in pain. But you know what? Abraham looked at this rich man and Abraham could not even. Abraham could not even quench his thirst with even a dip of water in the finger. Hell will be a place of no more mercy. Not even the slightest bit of mercy will people experience in hell. Yeah, I wanted a light sermon, right? I guess I didn't do that for you. I'm sorry. But and then Abraham says also, and then also there is a gap between us, meaning that there is, he says, look at this gap, this big chasm between us, right? Imagine I'm standing here, and then you're standing all the way over there. It's like there's a big gap between us. We can't even, I can't even cross over here to go over there, and you can't cross from over here to over there, which means that everyone who is in hell, there's no exit. There's no exit plan. You can't run from hell and then end up in heaven. That's not going to happen. There's no such thing as purgatory. And then also, if you are in heaven, you will be in heaven forever. And then, what does he do? What does the rich man say? Okay, fine. Abraham, Abraham, you can't help me. But I have, send Lazarus. Send Lazarus. Allow him to wake up from the dead. And let him go speak and preach to my brothers. Let him go to my father's house because I have five brothers who are in the same way. Let him warn them so that they can repent. I don't want them to experience the same kind of pain. But Abraham responds, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Now, to help you understand that, Moses and the prophets simply mean the Bible. They have the Bible, right? Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Right? And the prophets, we know that there are, there are prophets. We know that there's Jeremiah, Ezekiel. We know Lamentation. We know, we, we know that th these men were prophets. And so when people say Moses and the prophets, they just simply mean the Bible. They have the Bible. Wow. Do you see that? Abraham says, the rich man says, let me go, go, to, go to my brothers. If they wake up from the dead, maybe they might be able to warn them and they, they'll be saved. And no, you know what Abraham said? They have God's word. They have the Bible. Let them listen to them. And then he goes on and he objects. The rich man objects. He says, well, 
Abraham. I understand that you said they have the Bible. That's true. That's true. But imagine that someone were to raise from the dead. Then, ha, they would really, really, really believe, right? Imagine you find someone who was risen from the dead, right? Someone that you knew and they rise up from the dead, right? And they're like, hell is real. Hell is real. Hell is real. And they're looking at you with, with vehemence and they're looking at you with, with real eyes and you're like, wow, hell is real. You would think, man, people would just start believing, right? Just left and right. You know what Abraham says? If they don't listen to God's word, they're not going to listen to a person who raises from, from the dead. Number one, a man did raise from the dead. A man named Lazarus. In the book of John, Jesus actually goes to a person and he says, Lazarus, rise up. There was a man named Lazarus, and he actually got up, right? And you know what people's reactions were? Some people believed, yeah, that's true. But you know what some other people's reactions were? Let's kill him. <laughs> Let's kill I mean, the man just rose from the dead, and you still want to kill him? And then we know another story. Jesus Christ, three days. He's, he, he, he dies on the cross three days later. He rises from the dead. And you know what the guards said? The guards, they were so shocked when they saw Jesus Christ's resurrection. They froze when they saw the angels. They froze. And you would think, man, if anything, if anyone would believe, those guards would believe. You know what people did? They said, okay, you saw, you saw Jesus Christ rise from the dead? All right, I'm going to give you some money. Here, take this. Take this money real quick and just keep it quiet and just say that, the disciples stole him. And from this to this day, people have, have believed a rumor, a lie, that Jesus Christ's body was stolen. Oh, you think because someone rises from the dead? You think because someone rises from the dead you're going to believe? If you don't believe in God's word, neither will you believe if someone raises from the dead. And so, we have some things to think about in relation to this passage. Number one, let's think about this. Number one, heaven and hell are real places. Heaven and hell are real places. Heaven and hell are real places. Um, our, our reality right now, right now is the things that we can feel, taste, touch on this earth we, we, we see that as our reality, right? When you look around you, you see the things that you can touch, the things that you can see. you like, okay, this is my reality. But my friends, heaven and hell is a real place as well. They are real places as well. There are places in which you can hear, feel, touch, taste. Your senses will still be operable, and you still will be able, and they, they are real places, that's why the rich man could say, I am in anguish. He actually felt the pain. And so, I want you to be reminded of the fact that heaven and hell are real places. Number two, I want you to be reminded that change is going to come. Change going to come. Heaven is a place where people go to, people go who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That's that simple, right? 
you, you might think, why is God sending anyone to hell? Why would God send people to hell? Well, people go to hell because people have sinned against God. People go to hell because people have sinned against a holy God. And God is a right God. He's a just God. And the way in which God pays, back, pays us back for our sins is by sending people to hell. But you know what? God didn't leave you in that miserable condition. God didn't just say, you know what? Um, you all are going to go to hell. He says, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity right here, right now. I'm going to send you my son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus dies. He takes your place. He dies on the cross. And he took, watch this. He took your hell for you. He took your hell for you. So if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many times you've sinned. I don't care how many times you've sinned. I don't care how great your sins were. I don't care what your sins look like. As long as you say, I trust in Jesus Christ, then his blood that was said, that was, that was on the, his blood that was shed would be shed on your behalf. And your sins will be no more. And you'll be in heaven. You wouldn't face God's wrath anymore. The only people that make it to heaven are people that are forgiven, not people that are sinless. But change is going to come. Hell is a place that people really feel the wrath of God. Heaven is a place where people really feel joy. Now, I, no matter what someone's standard is in this world, I don't care how rich a person is, the change will come like that. Like that. In a moment, once they die, it's like that. Without Christ, you could be the richest person in the world, but you have the worst ending to your story. But with Christ, watch this, with Christ, you could have the most miserable life. You could be, you could be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm mad at, at this world. I mean, you could really have, you could have nothing going, going for you. You can be the poorest person in this world, but your story actually has a good ending if you have Jesus Christ. So change is going to come. Are you setting your hopes in this world? Or are you setting your hopes in the world to come? I want to ask you a question. What was the rich man's name? Does anybody know the rich man's name? We don't. And that's important in the story. We know Lazarus's name, but we don't know the rich man's name. The rich man spent so much time to build his reputation, rocking all that purple jewelry, all that purple clothes, probably rocking the jewelry with his sandals. I mean, he, he tried to make a name for himself, even had a great burial. But nobody knows his name right now. But Lazarus, we know his name. No matter how much we try to work to earn a rep, our reputation and try to, we try to so hard to work to, 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 to show off and show people who we are, just like that, it means nothing. The name will perish along with you. 
Um, number three, religious cannot, religion cannot save you. Religion cannot save you. So what we find from the passage is this rich man, um, we know that he was religious because he called Abraham father. He said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. And so we know that this man was Jewish. And so like, what we understand is that um, it doesn't matter if you're here today and you say, hey, I'm, I'm a churchgoer. You know, I go to Mosaic Baptist Church. I go to, you know, I, I've been baptized. I did this or I did that. I read my Bible and I do all these things. Those things cannot save you. The rich man was religious. He went to hell. You can be religious too and go to hell as well. The only thing that's important, my friends, is not how religious you are. It's do you have Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I'm closing with this last one. God's word is sufficient. Okay, God's word is sufficient. Why did I say that? Why am I saying that God's word is sufficient? How did we find that in this passage? Hmm. Let's see if you guys are paying attention. How could we find from this passage that God's word is sufficient? You know what Abraham told this rich man? He says, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. The, the rich man says, no, 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 no. If the, somebody raises from the dead, rises from the dead, maybe they might believe. But you know what Abraham said? If they don't listen to Moses or the prophets, neither will they listen if, if someone raises from, rises from the dead. Now look at this. Watch this. Your only warning, the only warning that you are going to get that heaven is real and that hell is real is God's word. Either you will believe it today or you will not. You follow? Either you will believe it today or you will not. God is not going to raise somebody else from the dead and to show you right now, hey, heaven is real. They're not going to come screaming. God, God's not going to do something crazy, miraculous, so that you can say, oh, wow, I'm going to believe. He's going to give you his word. Either you're going to believe it or you're not going to believe it. If you're not going to believe that, that is going to be your only resource. Okay? And so, friends, um, I pray that all of us will begin to think about life in light of eternity, okay? And I, I, there's so much more applications that we can give. I mean, think about investing, investing eternally, not just investing in the here and now. If people look at your bank statement, will they say, this person is concerned about this present reality? Or will people say, this person loves missions, this person loves the gospel, this person loves Jesus Christ? Look at your bank statement. Are you concerned with the here and now and the preservation of your life in the here and now? Or are you thinking eternally? Let's pray.